Today, I will be chatting with my band's very first drummer, Peter Kershaw. Welcome to the Band and About podcast, Pete. Hey, thanks for having me, Di. Nice to hear from you. Yeah, look, my pleasure. I'm so happy that you're able to chat with me. Cool. Yeah, same here. So what are you doing on this eve of get out of COVID lockdown? (laughs) Enjoying a couple of glasses of wine. (laughs) Are you planning on heading out anywhere at midnight? (laughs) Well, I was hoping the pizza bars will be open at one past midnight, but it doesn't look like they will be. Oh, don't go to Woodville, right? (laughs) Well, yeah, we'll ignore that one. (laughs) Okay, so let's start from the beginning, Pete. Where were you born? Where was I born? Why is that? Why is it interesting? I was born in the wagon of a travelling show. My mummy used to dance for the money. No, I was born in <laughs> Sydney, Sydney, old Sydney town. Okay, so uh, Annandale. All yeah. right, so your folks were from Sydney. Yes, my father's 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 father was one of the first fleets. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Australian through and through. Awesome. Uh, yeah, well, I guess so. So grew up in the outer western suburbs of Sydney, which is and anyone who knows Sydney, Mount Druitt, Lethbridge Park, if you've ever seen Houseos, yep. big shout out to Houseos. You're a Westie. Basically where I grew up. So, and then we escaped in when I was nine, eight years old, moved to the country in New South Wales and then uh, across to Adelaide in 1978. Ah, so, yeah. so what um, made your parents come over here? Uh Without getting too personal, my mother and father separated early mm-hmm. and she remarried. So my stepfather was an electrician. Uh, he stepped up to the plate, uh, took us all on. We had My mother had four children. Mm-hmm. So, and we just moved to Candos, New South Wales, and then from there to Adelaide to start a new life. And I'm very grateful for that because yeah. it, it was a good life. So uh, predominantly down south of Adelaide mm-hmm. uh, from 78 onwards. Uh, moved around quite a bit. I think I had four primary schools and shit, what, two high schools. So I moved around quite a bit. But, mm. yeah, uh, I, I classed myself as an Adelaide boy with nightmarish memories of uh, how's those early 70s Mount Druitt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, what led or who influenced you to study drums? Well, I've never really studied drums. I've just played mm. them, to be honest, mm. uh, without being okay. pedantic. Um, I've never taken lessons. It was, I guess, prior to my first kit in 1980, I was obsessed with tapping everything and Kiss came along in 1980 and Peter Chris to me was like, wow. Um, so I used to set up little ice cream containers in the shed on a uh, little stand with a coffee lid hanging from the roof <laughs> or on a bit of string, seriously. And I, with a bit of ply, plywood, I'd be banging away on different leveled ice cream cans and hitting the coffee can coffee tin lids as symbols. And that was my first kit. And in Christmas 1980, in the middle of Kissmania, <clears throat> excuse me, was uh, my first kit. Under the Christmas tree was my first set of sticks. And I thought that was enough. Then I went to the shed to put Dad's mower away, which was a gift from my father for him. And I opened the door and there was this glistening, beautiful, now I think about it, 1950s drum kit thrown to bits. And I just dropped the mower and it ran down the driveway and I just ran to the drums, <clears throat> jumped on it and just loved it ever since. It was a magic experience. Christmas wow. 1980, I'll never forget that. So that changed my life. And it literally was probably a 50s jazz kit just put together. But bless them, they bought it for me. 
and uh, just self-talking. Yeah, just listening to Kiss and everything as a kid does back then. Mm. Yeah, was obsessed with them. But prior to, prior to the drum kit, yeah, as drummers do, they tap on every bloody thing. So it's sort of a giveaway, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm. So how did you come to be in your first band? Uh, probably when I was 16, 17, uh, jamming with friends. And then I joined, would you believe, some older guys in a Christian rock band in 1986. It was the Peterfield Experience. Um, yeah, that was interesting. We did An a experience, yeah. Yeah, well, it was. It was heavy metal Christian rock, like Striper, like kind mm. of crap back mm. in the day. But it was good. Yeah, interesting. Um, the album was How to Be a Narcissist and Get Away with. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was. Um, yeah, it was a good, good few songs. Uh, from there, uh, 87, 88, just messing around with different friends, and then where did we get to? So that's how I started, anyway. So the okay. first real gig was like the uh, it's called a Mud Bowl, which was a Christian <laughs> a Christian outdoor festival down at I don't know Kaibo Forest or something, um, and that was a huge experience for a seventeen year old. But yeah, just messing around till I was twenty twenty one. Mm. Okay, so then what happened there? Uh, then I met Matt Kale, uh, previously Matt Malik, and we formed a short lived band called Listen Here, which was nothing special, it was crap. Uh, and then from there, he met Jeremy Conlon uh, and another guy, Gary Bowen, and the Violets performed in 1991. Mm-hmm. And that was the first real serious sort of foray into original music. And within a year, we, we scored a record contract with Phantom out of Sydney. Yeah. Which was quite remarkable for the day, uh, and they gave us free freedom to record in the studio. They paid for it all, so we we it wasn't actually straight away. It was probably ninety two, ninety three before we got that record contract. Then we recorded in Mixmasters with Mick Wordley mm-hmm. in ninety three, and we recorded the album Least Regret over ninety three, ninety four uh, to decent acclaim. It was good. We had a good single on there called Somewhere, another one called Mary Who. And I think '95 we won Album of the Year, which was which was a nice moment. Awesome. Yeah, we did a couple of big day outs. We did the first big day out in Adelaide back in '93 at the Adelaide Uni with Nick Cave, Iggy Pop, Sonic. I forget their fuck. It was, I shouldn't swear on here, should I? Sonic. Uh, what's what's the Sonic Youth? Youth. Yeah. Yeah, and and a number of other bands, Tumbleweed, and all those kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Mm. Second one was '96, and that was the main stage of the big day up near yeah. Wavell, and that was huge. That was massive. But yeah, we had a good ride with the Violets. I was with them from '91 to '97, mm. back in original days. Yeah, good stuff. yeah. Mm. No, that's great. So, what did you do for a job when you first left school? Um, not a lot. I'm trying to think what I did. Uh, fencing. I did, I did a bit of everything. A bit of fencing. Oh, I pushed trolleys when I was 16. Mm. Mm. And, but I met my first wife when I was 16 and we were married when I was 17. I had wow, two that's ch- pretty young. <laughs> it's pretty stupid too, but I had two children by the age of 18. Wow. So I was married, married with two kids. So I had a variety of jobs leading into my 20s, but music was always you know, the front runner, even though it doesn't pay. I was always chasing music. And early 20s onwards was the violence just – you know, being in that web of having a contract, even though it doesn't pay, it's just a lifestyle. It was fantastic. 
doesn't pay much. You think playing a big day out in 96 on the main stage will pay a shitload. It doesn't. Um, it's just it's just a nice thing to do. Uh, plenty of radio play and all that kind of stuff. So first job, yeah, like pushing trolleys, die. Wow, there you go. Mm. So do you have a, a, a most memorable gig story to share with us? A most memorable gig? Uh, I'll give you two. Mm? Bad and a good. Okay. I'll start with a good. It was... Um, uh, Max Sharam, we we supported Max Sharam. Do you remember Max Sharam? Mm. Yeah, it was at the old, uh, I forget where it was now, in the city somewhere. It was a packed place. Our song was playing on the radio at the time. It was a big deal. And we just smashed it. We had the whole audience in our hand. It was fantastic. We blew Max off the stage that night. Sorry, Max. <laughs> um, but it was just an enormous show. And, of course, the first big day out, I mean, fuck, when it mm. came to Adelaide, it was enormous. Adelaide Uni. Uh, lawns with the hard-ons and, as I said, Iggy Pop and all that kind of stuff. That was amazing. Then we go back to the very early stages of the violence, which was 91, 92, when we, were, <laughs> we played the Fringe and the James, a band called James. I don't know if you recall. Yeah. Yeah. They were great. but They had the room full and, like, everyone was buzzing and we were to follow them with our very early, you know, violence slip the wrist stuff. So we got on and within 10 minutes we emptied the room. <laughs> but before the last guy left, he threw a beer and just missed Gary the bass player and said, get weird, it's the fringe. So, yeah, we managed to empty a room at the fringe. So looking wow. back now, it's hilarious, but at the time we think, well, what did we do wrong? <laughs> it, was, it was just crap what we were playing. That's what was wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, there, there's two opposites of of your question. Wow. Mm. So other than the Violets, what's some of the better bands that you've played with? Uh, well, then it goes into tributes, I guess, but mm. one I'm currently now, which I want to give a shout-out to, is Kennet, which um, I do enjoy playing with, and they're Dark Blues. I've only joined them last year. I was a fan for a couple of years. Uh, I call it heroin rock because it's got that really dark twist. Um, but, yeah, it's been good for artistic uh, outreach. Um, do you want to go into tribute bands? I mean, yeah, whatever eight. you want, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, if you like. I mean, shit, I've been in the highlights, uh, 60s sensational show, which was great. Tribute to George Harrison, mm-hmm. which, was, which was awesome. Joined Ashes to Ashes for a couple of years, and that was a buzz, playing with the awesome Matt Way, Paul Matthews, um, Marco Ghiardini, etc., um, Iris and Susie, it was amazing. Uh, then these days, I mean, just they're just cover bands, really. Um, mm. But I enjoyed it. it. It's good. And at the moment, I'm doing House of Ends, which is a crowded house uh, split ends tribute, which mm. I love. It's just good fun. We had a show last weekend at the, where was it, Pepper Tree, and it was amazing. Yeah, that went even well? I, yeah, even though everyone was sitting on their ass and they couldn't move, but they were dancing in their seats and it was a great great response and it's just fantastic music to play so i really enjoyed that so at the moment yeah that's all i'm doing is just house of men's and can and just filling in occasionally when covid permits mm, mm. Mm. so what styles of music do you prefer to listen to um anything apart from reggae and pop I, reason i say reggae because i can never play reggae i've mm. tried it I, I just it just doesn't click with me on drums so even though I love Bob Marley, his commercial stuff, but 
what do I like playing on drums? I like rock. I like funky blues with soul. Um, yeah, I mean, drumming's drumming, I guess. But I just don't like pop as such. Yeah. yeah. Only because there's no soul. Mm-hmm. Do you have any uh, tips that you'd like to share with um, up-and-coming drummers or somebody that's looking at, you know, trying the drums on improving your um, hands and feet technique? Uh, yep. Uh, buy a piano. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a very physical role. It is. And to me, if you're not, if you haven't got the rhythm, if you're not hitting everything and not tapping everything as a child, you can tell a drummer. They're like little monkeys. They're just tapping anything and, and they've got rhythm and they can move and they can dance and they can like kind of, If you haven't got that and you really want to play the drums, well, forget about it. Take up piano. Take up something else. Learn the flute, the lute. Yeah. I don't care. Uh, Perhaps it, don't it even be, be in the music industry if you haven't got any no, rhythm. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not, no, I'm not being negative. I'm just saying. Oh, no, I'm harsh. Well, it, it just, yeah, drummers are generally, you can, you can tell. If, mm. if someone can actually play and, and, has, and has rhythm, mm. it's, uh, it's, it's in their DNA, mm. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I've never practised in my life. I'm a lazy, lazy bugger, never taken any lessons. But tips for youngsters, uh, if you really want to drum, just relax. Um, tap away. Just form your own style. I mean, today's youth have got YouTube, for goodness sake. We didn't have that. I used to set my kid up as a teenager in the bathroom of a small home uh, literally my acoustic kit, and then have Led Zeppelin 1 right through to in through the outdoor, the whole catalogue playing, blasting over two big speakers, and me playing along to it. That was my tutorial. That was my YouTube experience back in the mid-'80s, oh, early-'80s. Yeah. Mm. So that's how I learned to play drums, mm. just, just playing along to Led Zeppelin or whoever, or Deep Purple or stuff like that. And, yeah, I think it's – and don't be too tight when you're playing. Just have a loose grip. Enjoy yourself. Mm. Because we know that it's very easy to get um, injured, don't we? Yeah, thanks, Di. Yeah. Don't I'll now put in it. here why Peter's a former drummer. Mm, mm. <laughs> Di's referring to an injury I had. Uh, <laughs> how long ago was that? That was. You hung in for our first gig. Oh, you know, the stupid part about that. I was, I, I was dumb. I was in five different bands. Wasn't yes. I? Yes. Yeah. Um, which was stupid. It, drum, I, mean, I don't know how people do that. It's crazy. And I've learnt since this is just the wrong thing to do. Just focus on what you want to do and don't be a tart. But, yeah, I snapped my super as someone even try and pronounce it, uh, ligament in my sh- left shoulder. Mm-hmm. And I was still playing plenty of gigs. I played the Fringe 2019, wondering why <laughs> my left, left arm was hanging down by my foot. I still got through it. But then ultrasound showed it just it disappeared, snapped, gone, dissolved, no more. So I had to take a few months off, which was a blessing. Unfortunately, I had to, you know, say goodbye to you and 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 um, the Pretenders band mm. amongst amongst a few others. But yeah, the break did me good physically and mentally, I must say. So, but now it's fine. Now it's great. I'm back into it. Uh, apart from age, I feel fine. And are you being a bit more careful now and how you play? Well, not really. Not really. Just being, not, not playing. Uh, I haven't adjusted my style. It's more 
just not playing with five different bands. Yeah. You know, and like lugging your gear is probably harder than doing a gig. I can do a gig seven nights a week. I love it. But mm-hmm. to lug the gear, set it up, none of us have got the luxury of having someone to help us out. It's not the 90s anymore. It's, <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, yeah, that's pretty hard. And they're not light stuff. The hardware's heavy. So look yeah. after your shoulders and your back, kids. That's what I can say. Mm. And stay away from drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do drugs. <laughs> drugs are bad. <laughs> so talking about um, lugging your gear and everything, how how efficient are you now when it comes to loading in, loading out? Pretty damn efficient. I like to be there first and I like to set up the kit within 10, 15. Uh, ultimately half an hour is nice if no one's there. Then you can adjust everything. But, yeah, I can pack in and pack down within 15 either side mm, without too much trouble unless the keyboard player and the guitarist put their amps and their guitar cases right in front of the kit which is quite common <laughs> well depending on the size of the stage yeah it can be quite a common thing. well that's that's the other thing isn't it yeah mm. you just go have a beer and wait till it's all over and then mm. pack up mm. yeah wait for everybody else to get out the way yeah <laughs> exactly mm. so who are your top three local drummers Oh, that's a horrible question. Is it? Because uh, really it's, it comes down to a top three favourite. Oh, that's going to put people's noses. I'll tell you who I really rate and admire is um, Bradley James, Bradley Pullane. Yep. I think he's an amazing drummer and the bugger can sing and he's on point. He's right in the pocket. So he's he's right up there. Um, Dieter. Dieter's a great drummer. He's everywhere. Dieter Scholl. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy that took over me in the Violets way back in 1998, and he's still playing now with Jason Chum, I believe, in the Faith No More bands and stuff like that, is Jason Ayers White. Mm-hmm. I've always rated him as a great drummer. Underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to Jace. Okay. Yeah. So what about that guy from the Chili Sorry? Peppers band. What's that? Funky Monks? Who's, who, who plays in that? Who's the drummer? Nick. Oh, he's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's, he's just a ball of energy. He never stops. and It freaks me out watching him. It's amazing. No, mm. he is. He is. Um, I mean, we really are very um, fortunate to have so many really good drummers here. Yeah, yeah. Too many drummers, not enough bands. That's what drummers go for. Yeah, anyway, go on. <laughs> okay. So what about bass players? Who do you enjoy playing with? Well, at the moment, it's it's got to be Damien Jolly, who we've just recruited for uh, House of Ends. Mm. And I played with him once in a John Cougar Mellencamp tribute, um, American Fools, and was really impressed how he locked in. And so we recruited him for House of Ends and he's just been incredible. We did our first gig. He's only been with us for a month and he smashed it on the weekend. He was mm. just great right in there. Uh, learned the complexities of, of crowded house and split ends and played with my kick, which was fantastic. Mm. Like, it was in the pocket, which is so important. I can't stress that enough. So it was a joy and it's a joy to work with him. Oh, um, that's great. Cos from Satisfaction, another great bass player. I mean, shit, there's a few great. I mean, Tim Seeley is another great bass player in Adelaide. He plays for everyone. Um, I don't know. I'll leave it at that, I guess. There's, there's, there's a heap out there. But, yeah, 
difference between good and bad bass players is is a chasm. Mm-hmm. It's you. You got to lock in. Yes, and the first thing I did when I oh, put oh, the Nigel, yes. Nigel Walters, I've got to say. <laughs> so the first thing I did was sort out the rhythm section before I worried about anybody else for the band. Oh, you're a smart girl. Oh yeah, I had to know that I had a reliable engine. <laughs> well, you can't. Well, again, I forgot to mention before Nigel Walters. I mean, far out. One of Joy Nash's. I mean, he was a dream player to play with. He was just an engine, that guy. Uh, so yeah, it was a treat to play with him. If you could invite any musicians to play in a concert with you anywhere in the world, who would you call? So musicians, plural? Musicians, yes. So putting together a band, okay? You're going to be the drummer. Oh, and wow. you're okay. picking everybody else that's going to be in that band. Excellent. And you can play anywhere in the world. Who would you call? Okay, Where would so it be held? Can... And what yep. genre would you be performing? Wonderful. What a question. Okay. Well, I'll be really selfish. I'm going to say Robert Plant Mm -hmm. straight up as uh, vocals, the modern-day Robert Plant, not the young squeeze my lemon, the eclectic Robert Plant. Okay. I'd grab Roger Hodgson from Supertramp, the multi-instrumentalist. I'd have him on keys and acoustic. Mm -hmm. I'd grab – oh, gee, that would be half a Led Zeppelin if I said John Paul Jones, wouldn't it? No, but have him, have him, definitely. I love what he does with um, them crooked vultures, like. Uh, whatever John It's Paul so did. cool. Sixties has been just magic. He's ten out of ten. Mm. But I'll go Macca from the Beatles on bass and vocals. So you got Robert Plant. <laughs> you got you got Paul McCartney. You got Roger Hodgson. My God, who's on lead? Uh, who's on lead guitar? Uh, let's go Richie Blackmore. Mm. And what sort of genre would it be? Yeah, it would be. I'm going to say. Blues gra- bluegrass, blues blues ass, bluegrass, blues ass. <laughs> <laughs> Louis the fly, oh, Louis the fly. Yeah, a bit of bluegrass would be wonderful, and a and a bit of medieval music, and the auditorium or the place anywhere in the world mm-hmm. will be my lounge room. Right, yeah, because they would all come and play in your lounge room. Well, you, where would you fit your audience? You'll give me enough. Bugger the audience. I'm just on the audience. I'm inviting Robert Plant, Roger Hodson, Richie Blackmore, and John, whoever else I said, Paul, Paul McCartney. Yeah, I'm the fucking audience. I'm sitting down enjoying it. I'm just drumming along. So, yeah, it'll be my lounge room. Thank you very much. You gave me the option, I chose it. Okay, not, mm. not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well well done. Good, good answer there, Pete. Hmm. Okay, so apart from um, your uh, difficulties trying to master reggae, is there anything else that you haven't been able to play on the drums or something that you've you've been able to play but you just weren't satisfied with? Um, satisfied. Uh, the older I get, the metal doesn't appeal to me anymore. Mm. Like that, that just it bores me, mm-hmm. and I notice. Annoy Dita because Dita's got more energy than me, and that's that's his style. Dita's a good friend, by the way. I love Dita. Um, I I just does it doesn't appeal to me playing heavy metal anymore. I used to love it when my teens and my twenties. So, but just smashing away with no, you know, like and cracking the snare like it's like your ex wife's head. <laughs> <laughs> it just does not appeal to me anymore. I'd rather 
a little bit of grace and ghost notes and a little bit of space in the music. That's why I love the Beatles so much and Ringo Starr is such an underrated drummer because you leave space in the music. Mm. And so what would stole? I guess, metal. Mm. Not that I couldn't play. I just, I just don't want to. It bores me. Mm. But then again, you give me Highway Star with a great bunch of musicians, I'll, I'll be first in line. Uh, depends on my mood. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Do you find that you get bored with your, your own playing at times? Yeah, yeah I do. So yeah. how do you fix um, that? How do I fix that? It's well, I'm a song player, to be honest with you. So if I'm bored playing it, I've got to remember that the audience, it could be the first time they've heard our rendition of it, or you know. So it's really I'm the last person to ask or to be considered if I'm being bored because I'm I'm an entertainer. Oh, that sounds so pretentious, but if you're on stage, for goodness sake, you're entertaining an audience regardless. So you've got to give it your all, and got to you know, got to come across that there that you're loving it. Mm. So I mean, I couldn't do my Sharona and Jesse's Girl and that kind of crap, but I have done, mm. and I've done it like it's the first time I've done it mm. uh, because some for some reason people still want to hear that crap. Um, what was your original question? <laughs> do you get bored with your own playing, and how do you fix it when you do? Not so much bored, but um, sometimes I struggle with feel and rhythm. And which every drummer would do. Like, you, you just feel like you've lost the pocket and you think, what, what have I done wrong? And then it's just, it's just a day. And then the next time you get to a drum hit, it's like everything's in place. It's a bizarre thing. And I'm sure every musician goes through it, whether it be a pianist or a, a guitarist or a bassist. You, you just lose that feel that you think you've always got. Mm. It's a mysterious thing. It can come, it can go. Luckily, 90% of the time it's there and you can just lock in and love it. Sometimes it just disappears. I've had gigs where I'm going, I can't play anymore. It's just this instant feeling that I've lost it. Mm. And then the next gig, it's like, oh, well, there it is again. So inexplicable. I can't tell you how to fix it. It's just one of those random things that happens. Mm. Maybe it's all in the mind. Mm, maybe. So what do you do if you can't seem to lock in the pocket with another musician? Get another musician. <laughs> <laughs> right then and there on the spot. What would you do? Oh, okay. You're talking about jams. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, it's it's that's a good question because it's it, it can be so clinical and so personal, mm. especially in Adelaide when I won't go into details, but, I mean, some, some people you play with can be the loveliest people and really, you know, friends and everything else. And you're jamming away and you think, well, what's wrong here? You know, it, it's a simple method of their idea of what locking in and enjoying music is different than your idea. Mm. So, and therefore, they're fantastic bass players, but sometimes it just doesn't work. And then you get someone you've never met, and it could be an art soul or whatever. You know, it's a completely different person. And you, within the first bar, you think, wow, you know, that, that's amazing. And again, it's, I'm not picking a scenario. I'm just saying that's that's a real thing. Yeah. Um, it's nothing personal with music. It's if, you, if it doesn't work in one scenario, it doesn't mean it won't work in another scenario. Mm. Um, yeah, that's my answer to that. No worries. So I know that you've um, sat in plenty of times for bands when they've, you know, one reason or another they've needed a fill-in drummer. Mm. So what happens when you're sitting in and um, somebody calls out a song that you don't actually really know very well or know how to play how do you drive the bus in that sort of situation you just 
it, well, generally drumming is easier than guitaring, isn't it, really? Um, you reckon? Well, it is. Not physically, but, I mean, the guitarist creates the melody. The singer creates the melody. Um, the bass player, you know, has got to lock in the melody and the riff and everything else, the piano. Drummer just keeps the beat, mm. essentially. So unless it's a complex Frank Zappa piece or a classical piece you're playing or some sort of jazz crap, you can generally feel a song. And for the last 50-odd, 60-odd years, rock and roll is fairly generic and we've all heard it all before. Mm. I can play Johnny Be Good. I can play Radiohead. So it's, if I haven't heard it, generally I'll look at the bass player or someone will give me a nod as to when the stops are and things like that. But I can pick it up. I did a jam recently with, with Jed Allman. Mm. I'm sure you heard of it. Fantastic guitarist. And a couple of his mates. It was blues, funk, soul. And I had no homework because I split my thumb open about two weeks ago. And, I, and plus COVID happened. But anyway, but I jammed with them. And I was like, wow, this was amazing. I hadn't heard the songs properly. Mm. And we just we just all locked in. It was a beautiful thing. Um, it just happens. It's, a, it's an easier job than guitarist or, or bass playing, I guess. Um, and just from experience, you just learn, you just know when to and when not to. And for, for goodness sake, don't overplay a song. Not every bar deserves a solo <laughs> or a roll. <laughs> you know, sometimes hat, kick, fall to the floor is, is more important than a friggin' solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, the audience doesn't want to hear a drum solo. They want to hear the song. I'm a song player. Yep. And I'd rather hear the song. I'd rather close my eyes, play along to a song than think, oh, wow, this next bar I'm going to just blow away with my bonzo triplets. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just such wank, you know. Mm. It's not necessary. Mm. So I imagine you would have had a few kits over the years. Um, not as many as you think, mm-hmm. to be honest. No, I've only ever been a one-kit player. Yeah. But as I said, the first kit, Going back to when you first asked me, it was a, a 50s, I'm sure, a jazz kit from my memory from 1980 Christmas. Um, it had one stand and three arms coming off it for the cymbals. It had a, a snare drum with a pig skin on it, literally a pig oh. skin. Yeah. And uh, from memory, a normal tom and a floor tom. Um, so I've never seen anything like it since, like three arms coming off one one cymbal stand. Mm. But it was, it was gold. To me, it was like the best thing in the world. Mm. Um, so playing it in, in winter when, when it was raining in the shed, corrugated iron shed, it was like playing at Wembley Stadium or Madison Square Garden with the crowd roaring and me playing along. It was amazing. And, again, I've forgotten your question. So what's been your favourite How many kits have I? Uh, the current one, my odoury. Mm. What's, so, what's so special about that one? I've had it for six years and I've played in multiple bands. I... It's a Brazilian custom made, and I just loved it. I walked into Reynolds before it closed, and I just went dum dum dum. The Tom sounded amazing. Um, it, it it transfers well through a PA. It's always delivered live. Excuse me. Um, the only things I've added really is a couple of snares. One was an orange crush. I'm sorry, a maple crush that I bought off Jeff Agra. Bless you, Jeff. And my new acquisition, which I'm, I'm waited a lifetime for, is a Ludwig Black Beauty snare, 110th anniversary edition, and that is gold. That makes me very happy. Yeah. But the odor is perfect. It's just a, a, a 10 inch, 16 and 18, or is it 14 and 18? I don't know. Standard setup. Yeah. Anyway, 
So, and then before that, it's just been pearls, pearl masters, uh, probably a tama whacked in there somewhere. But I've never really cared about it that much. I'd rather play guitar. But with drums, yeah, just one kid at a time. Yes, I was going to say that you also play other instruments. Do you want to um, talk about a bit about that? If you want, no, it's only because I'm lazy at drumming. Just, drumming's too fucking hard. Excuse the language. <laughs> drumming's too you hard. You were saying it was easy before. Well, it's too physical. So, I mean, if I'm sitting at home, I'm not about to set the drum kit up and have a play. I'm the laziest drummer you will ever meet. The only way I ever play is if I'm at a rehearsal or I'm at a live mm. show. I never practiced. I never took a lesson in my life. Um, it's just all <clears throat> memorising. Listen to a song thing and, okay, yep, I sort of get what you're doing. Let me improvise and, and get as close as I can. Um, guitar, I love. Piano, I love. I just adore them. I, lo- I adore string instruments. Uh, I have a bazooki, I have a, a mandolin, um, a wide collection of uh, acoustics, and I've got two electrics, a Fender and a Gibson copy. Mm. So a lot of joy out of that. I, just, I much prefer picking it up and just jamming away. Uh, not to say I don't love drums, but it's just not practical every day. And As I said, I'm lazy. I just prefer to play guitar. So will there be a time when we'll go and see a band and Ped Kershaw will be playing guitar instead of drums? I hope not. But, no, that happened um, when I was 19. Mm -hmm. One of the first bands, just before the Violets, uh, we did a show out at Salisbury and I had the audacity. It was just, I don't know, listen here, I think they were called. We went live to wear at 5 PBA FM and halfway during the show I We'd organised for me to pick up an acoustic guitar and play an original song, and I did. And I've still got that on video. It's quite funny, but I pulled it mm-hmm. off. Sat on a stool, did my little Lindsay Buckingham thing, and Matt sang away. And so yeah, I've done that. Uh, is there any chance of me getting out playing live? Nah, I, nah, not no. really. There's too many too many good guitarists out there. I just play for fun. Yeah, yeah. Did either of your parents play an instrument? Yeah, my mother, she was an amazing, she still is an amazing pianist. She still plays around, <clears throat> excuse me, she still plays around Adelaide at the nursing mm-hmm. homes. Um, Pre-COVID, she was doing four, four days a week, I believe. In the early 70s, my earliest memories of her childhood was with mum in the lounge room jamming with a band called the Trojans. They were a Sydney mm-hmm. band. They used to do the cruises off the coast, um, had local celebrities playing with them. Yeah, mum... Has a pitch perfect ear. She's in, 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 I rate her highly as a musician. She's amazing. Um, Did she yeah, give you any uh, lessons rest- on the piano? No, it's it's, it's sort of scenario where you grow up with it. You grow up, you, know, you grow up with it, and you think, oh, well, it's always there. Then you look back and think, shit, I wish I took more of an interest. You'd always dabble in it, but you wouldn't. If Mum says, oh, do you want me to show you a few things? You go, nah. Yeah, which is a shame. It is a shame so when you have somebody with yeah. so, such a great skill. Yeah, yeah. But I picked it up myself. I think probably just an ego thing or I can do it myself, whatever. I'm nowhere near where my mother is. She's, she can she can play Flight of the Bumblebee, you know, with one hand. It's just remarkable. Uh, any classical piece you can mention, she'll just ring it off by ear. She's always learnt by ear, which is one thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. amazes me about my mother. She's pitch perfect. So, yeah, shout out to mum, an amazing musician. Who's your favourite drummer in the entire world? I'd have to say John Bonham. Mm. Mm. 
Um, only because when I seriously took up drums, it was Peter Chris originally mm. when I was a kid, and then practicing in the bathroom, as I mentioned before, with Led Zeppelin records from the first one to the last one, up to 11, behind my head, my drum kit condensed into a bathroom with the natural ambience and, and reverb. Mm. That's how, really how I learned to groove and play, was through Led Zeppelin records and listening to John Bonham. So he'd be my favourite, closely followed by Ian Pace, Peter Chris, absolutely, and Larry Mullen Jr., because no one gives a shout-out to that bugger. No, they don't. I think he's, I think he's an amazing drummer. Mm, mm. So do you have a so you, preferred brand mm. of uh, sticks to use? I don't, and I'm, I probably should. Yeah, eh? most but people no, do. I know, I know. Um, no, I just, I'm, I'm really terrible like that. I just, I still don't know what I like. <laughs> I, just, I think all five A's, um, I won't name the brand. You just go in, you pick something up, and you know, that'll work. And if it doesn't crack in the first gig, you go back and buy it again. <laughs> so that's about as deep as I go with sticks. I have, um, now they've brought out all these fancy Phil, what's his names, and, and I don't know, all these great players and their signature things. I, I couldn't give a shit. I started off with a bit of plywood. Mm. You know, and you can pick up a pencil and play drums with it, and you can pick chopsticks you can play drums with, for goodness sake. So no, no preference, no. but my, I guess the size is 5.8 and sometimes 7.8. Yeah. I used 7.8s last week at the Pepper Tree because the volume restrictions down there are ridiculous. So, yeah. Yeah. What about symbols then? So, well, that's that's different because you've got to have quality there. I use Zildjian's um, for crashes and I've got a Sabian double AX ride and double AX hats. And yeah, that's they're my main. So two, I think sixteen and eighteen, uh, and a couple of other just odds and ends crashes. Put mm. it in there somewhere, seventeen inch, I think. But yeah, Zildjian and Serbians. I guess a shout out to, to Aiden from Zilly. He makes great symbols as well. Um, I'll actually catch up with him soon too. Yeah, so Zilly symbols are good too. Excellent. Now, you've recently been back in the recording studio. Do you want to uh, let us know a bit about what's been going on there? Yeah, yeah. Um, the violets, again, we bring up the violets. It was a huge part of my life in the 90s, from 91 to 97. Um, I hadn't seen, you can say probably for 20 years, over 20, I haven't been in the violets since 1997, so I hadn't seen Jeremy since 1998. Matt, I reconnected recently, but prior to that, probably 10 years. So it's been a long time between drinks. We haven't played together for over 20 years. Someone had the bright idea with, hey, we're going to reproduce, remaster the original album, Least Regret, which won Album of the Year and had a few high-rotation singles on it. That was released on all platforms and maybe a middle-aged crisis, I don't know what it was, but we all got the spark again. And I think it was Gary or Matt, probably Matt, the singer, he suggested we should get together. Mm-hmm. Just just like blindly, unrehearsed, book a studio. And, and we did. And thank God COVID allowed. So it was early November, November the, th- the 2nd, we booked Wizard Tone Studios in Hendon yeah. at the old um, – anyway, yeah, so we booked a week. So we spent two days just jamming and saying hello, having a beer, and we came up with six songs straight away. <laughs> it was remarkable. 
Um, and the old chemistry was there. We were loving it. We were feeding of each other, even though the years, you know, 20 years is a long time. And we spent Wednesday, Thursday, Friday uh, tracking them, recording mm-hmm. them. And we're extremely happy. Now, what we've got now is the masters, and Matt's got to add some guitar and vocals. Jeremy's going to add a few bits and pieces. I'm going to put a bit of acoustic on it. We have the luxury of like, Matt owns a studio down at Port Elliot. Uh, so I can go there any time. Jeremy's in Alice Springs. He's got a studio. Um, Gaz is in Darwin. He'll overdub from there. And then we're aiming to release All Being Well in the new year, some new violence material, which I never would have thought in my lifetime because it wasn't a nice split, let's be honest. Um, but, yeah, it was, we all gave each other hugs. We toasted with a you know, glass of a violet's chin <laughs> and we just had we had the greatest time yeah. in that week it was like it was teary I looked around and I saw Gaz to my to my right and Matt ahead and Jeremy it was just wow you know, we had a huge history together yeah. and now we're, now we're creating again and no disrespect to Jason who took my place in 98 I mean they did great things after I left they toured they were, you know, heaps of film clips and whatnot. but there was that original chemistry we had from 91 to 97 yeah. And all the dramas you went through. I mean, God, it's not a book there. It was like federal court. Wow. <laughs> Supreme, Supreme Court over stupid tapes and all that kind of crap and getting a record. All the stuff you go through um, at the you know, at the base of your career, we all went through together. So and it was just great to catch up with the guys and record some brand new stuff. So I'm I'm proud of what we've done. It's amazing. No, it's great, Kate. So, it sounds really good. I'm I'm looking forward yeah. to hearing some of that. Yeah. It, it's spine tingling, some of it. Well, personally, so it's, it might sound dated to others or whatever. Art is art. It's not for everyone. Mm. It's, it's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? So, Absolutely. Yeah. Or ear, in this case, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, the ear, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so how many gigs did you lose, roughly, when COVID hit? Uh, that very week, um, we were booked to play the pepper tree. <laughs> um, so it only took eight months to get back there. How many gigs? I mean, countless, die, countless gigs because House Events just kicked off and we were, you know, firing to go. We had a few gigs booked. Um, and, and how can you say? How can you count? Um, on paper, probably instantly, probably four. Mm. Mm. But who's to know? I mean, gigs happen all the time, don't they? Mm. We were due to play um, the Bridgeway in a couple of weeks, on the 12th of December. Now, because of this pizza bar incident, mm. we um, it's been postponed to next February, which is a damn shame. Mm. Mm. As for Ken, it was meant to play tonight too. <clears throat> That's the other thing that pisses me off. We, were ha- we had a, a, a gig booked at the Jade, which is going to be our first like live stream, not, not live stream, but professionally filmed gig mm. that we can use for promo and blah, blah, mm. blah. Uh, they got kicked in the ass, so I think Nigel's at home tonight with Grace and they're just doing their home live stream. So, yeah, it hasn't been pretty, but everyone else has suffered too. I mean, goodness me, running musicians, I mean, plenty of other sectors have suffered equally. Mm. But the arts always seem to be a late, the last thing to come back. Yeah, it's had a hell of an right. impact on the industry globally. It's been yeah. And 50,000 people at the Soda Rogen last week or this week in Queensland. I mean, how do you do that? Mm. And yet, have a, it just boggles me. Anyway. Yeah, it's been hard. 
Before we end our chat today, I'm going to ask Pete 20 quick random questions or as many as we can get through in the space of two minutes to close the interview. Drum roll. Are you ready, Pete? (laughs) Your time starts now. Now. Favourite band? Beatles. Animal or Melody from Josie and the Pussycats? God, never watched it. I'll say medley. Medley. Favourite brand of toothpaste? Corky. Least favourite song? Uh, relax, don't do it. Frankie goes to fucking Dubai. Favourite cartoon? Oh, um, um, the Beatles one in the 70s. The most sticks that you've dropped during a gig? Far too many. Favourite TV series? Oh, Vikings. Worst movie you've ever seen? I don't believe there has been. Last album that you purchased? Oh, good question. Uh, Probably Paul Kelly or Lior. Biggest fear? Uh, Airplane flight. Name the first album that you purchased. I was made for loving you, Kiss, Dynasty. Hardest song to play? Anything reggae. Best drum solo? John Bonham, 1970, Royal Albert Hall. Number one bucket list item. Happiness and self-centred peace. Name a band you wish you'd seen. Led Zeppelin. Your favourite song? Uh, Rainbow Connection. Pet hate. Narcissists. Who have you got a secret fan crush for? Fan crush? Oh, God, he goes for two minutes. Quick. Uh, probably huge Ackman. Baked beans or spaghetti? Baked beans. And what's your preference, pencil or liquid eyeliner? <laughs> you shit. Pencil. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well done, Pete. He didn't mention the foundation. <laughs> you got through <laughs> all of them. Hey. <laughs> you're, only, you're the second person to have actually completed all 20 questions, so well done. Thank you. I think I missed out a couple. No, anyway. no, no. We got through them, believe me. Worst movie. <laughs> oh, I have to think about that and text you later. <laughs> thank uh, you. Look, thank you once again, Pete, for joining me for the Banded About podcast. You've been really great to chat to. And I hope, it's been a buzz. I hope that everyone who listens finds this as enjoyable as I did. <laughs> I will include all of the information and links relating to this interview with Pete in the description field of the podcast. And please, if you're listening, uh, feel free to message me if you've got any ideas or requests for other drummers that you would like to hear me interview. Please message me. Um, And make sure that you subscribe to receive notifications of when the next podcast becomes available on the Banded About podcast series do that thanks again pete and thank you for listening and it's bye for now my pleasure thank you Doi.